When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We've got Adam Bittner on. We want to talk about PFS grades, pro football focus, that meaning, of TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, and Miles Garrett. Two guys made sacks on the, uh, in those games. Two guys scored touchdowns in those games. One guy scored, had a single tackle, but was named the or was graded as the best player on all of football on Monday night. We're going to talk about those grades and what the what what that actual impact is and what's behind those grades with Adam. Plus, we'll talk about Mike Tom and what he said the offense has to do better and the question of Joey Porter Jr. and Levi Wallace. When are we going to see that change? All here in the North Shore Drive podcast. It's the Wednesday episode. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Adam Bittner. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find all our content at post-gazette.com. Find this show, the North Shore Drive podcast, every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube by searching Post-Gazette Sports or searching the North Shore Drive podcast. But don't forget, we also have daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette from all of our different workers here that cover all the teams. It's a lot of great content. Get it all on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. And remember, today's episode is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar to go to, to, go to in all of Pittsburgh. Find it on the North Shore, right across the street from PNC Park on Federal Street. You can go there. They have over 20 televisions that you can get all your sports action, whether it's NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, Premier League, anything you want, Mike's is going to help you watch. And they can, while you do that, you can also enjoy over 500 different available beer options, 300 of those beers being local beers, 80 of those local beers being available on tap so you can try out whatever flight option you'd like. More on Mike's beer bar later in that experience. But, Adam, I want to talk with you because we had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter about this. And there was a little bit of hoopla Tuesday morning <laughs> after the Steelers game because grades were handed out for uh, for performances. And in a game that was dominated by the Steelers' defense being able to turn mistakes into touchdowns, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt both sacked Sean Watson. Alex Highsmith forced a fumble that resulted in a touchdown. Also had a pick six. So part, taking part in two touchdowns right there. TJ Watt was the guy who scored the touchdown that was that was recovered uh, after Alex Highsmith fumble. Both had, uh, they combined between them 11 tackles. Uh, Highsmith had seven. Uh, Watt had four. And Miles Garrett on the other side had one tackle, did have a pressure. And he wasn't bad in the game. It's just that the Steelers, like they often have against Miles Garrett, kind of made him. Not a big factor, but according to Pro Football Focus, he had the highest grade in the game of a 91.7. And Alex Highsmith was close behind with a 91.1. But TJ Watt, who was seen all over the field, had an 82.6. And a lot of Steelers fans continue to have their gripes, and I'm right with them. I don't understand how PFF can be considered a series grading service. I think that they're great in a lot of their hard stats and a lot of the other information that they provide that is determinable and hard information. But these random grades that they hand out, 
they don't make sense to me. And it seems like they just want to keep pushing a Miles Garrett as the best player in the league narrative that is not supported by anything we're seeing in the actual game. Adam, where do you stand on what PFF has been doing with their grades and especially how they handled this game? Yeah, I think the, the big flaw in their grading system is, you know, TJ Watt gets a sack. Let's say that's that's a great play by him. He can't get more than 100 out of 100 for that, right? And then he scoops and scores and, and scores a touchdown. That's 100 out of 100 on that play, let's just say, for example. And let's say there's 10 snaps where he doesn't um, – he doesn't grade as well. Let's say he has 10 snaps that are graded as a 50. And, you know, so he, he doesn't get, I think, the impact value in, in those grades of those impact plays because you can only go so high on the scale. You can't go 150 out of 100. And so if he has five or 10 snaps where he's not graded as well, that's going to drop his grade down a little bit um, compared to someone who like Miles Garrett, who maybe he had not as big of an impact on the game but he more consistently was doing his best on an individual play. I, I think that's the the flaw somewhat in in the PFF grading system is is the, it, it does a bad job of accounting for those impact splash plays over the course of a game because they're only one snap in you know if TJ Watt plays 50, 60, 70 snaps, it's just one snap out of 70. And you and I know how big that impact was in the game. It, it was the difference between winning and losing. But you can't give a guy more than 100 in their grading system. So I think that's, you know, number one. And, and number two, you and I, we can only watch so many players on a given play. Right. You know, usually you're, you're, you got your eyes on, you know, one or two guys who touch the ball, the quarterback, the running back, a receiver. And maybe you can see a, a couple other things live. And now I know you do film study, Chris, which yeah. is something not a lot of people do. So when you say something um, – you know, I put a lot of weight into that because you've you've actually watched everyone on every play, or, or at least a lot more plays than the average person. But me, I don't do film study, so I have to trust the data a little bit more because I can't watch everyone on every play. I'm I'm watching maybe thirty percent of the game, forty percent of the game on an average, you know, basis. So you and I talked a little bit about this off air. What I do when I look at grades that are close, like T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett in a single game, is you know, I kind of used some margin for error, right? Just like you would interpret a political poll where it says the margin of error is like 5%. That's kind of how I look at them saying Miles Garrett was better than TJ Watt the other night. I think when you both have two players that have similar grades, you can mm -hmm. trust your own judgment a little bit and you can say, hey, you know, TJ Watt made game-changing plays. I'm going to value that more highly than what Miles Garrett did. Um so you have to take all of this with a grain of salt, and, and their grading system, I think, is flawed in that way. I think it can only get you so far, and and then you just kind of have to use logic to say, yeah, I think he had a bigger impact regardless of what PFF says. I, I do think that that's certainly the case. There is that there's that there's a grading system, and it, it's interesting. Like I've I've seen some of their counter arguments because they were getting thrashed for it uh, on, on online by Steelers fans, and their arguments were, well, Miles Garrett. He, he starts a play a lot better. He engages, so he wins the pass rush rate, and he he has a higher pass rush rate. They said, I think he had like a 40% pass rush rate, uh, win rate, and T.J. Watt had a 7% pass rush win rate. Well, here's my thing. I don't – I think that when people say who won a pass rush, there's times if you force the quarterback to change his trajectory, I get it. That's important. But one thing that Mike Tomlin talks about that I think is vital to a game, you have to be able to finish plays. And – one thing I think we've seen, and this is now over, this is both of their seventh seasons, 
in the seven seasons that they have played, in the six seasons before this, Miles Garrett has only had two seasons where he's had more sacks than T.J. Watt, and one of them was when T.J. Watt missed two months. I think I value finishing plays, making plays over starting a play really well and looking kind of looking pretty good. And, and that's the stuff that I see that I'm just like, if you're an objective service, if you're trying to tell what's real and be, uh, be of use and of giving information for fans or observers or trying to be objective about it, you got to examine your own way of, of how you grade things and say, this ain't right because clearly that guy over there is impacting games more than that guy over there. And that's where, and, and my, and my service has to reflect that somehow. And this, this isn't new. Well, you know, again, Ramon Foster years ago called out PFF for, you know, for, for saying, you don't know what you're actually doing. And, and when they called him the worst lineman in football, and then after he called them out to their faces, they changed his grade. And so they've done this thing before where their grades, I think are very subjective. I think that there's an obvious anti-Steelers bias with some of the way that they handle things over there, especially with their grades and how some of them react when we talk about these things. But uh, I just think that again, like their, their, their targets information, their, their hard information that is determinable and not based on someone saying, Oh, I, I think that this guy won over this guy on this play. The, the, the former is, is valuable. The latter, I think that they've kind of shown until they change. Otherwise I can't, I can't live off of PFF grades as some objective form of judgment. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's going to be an element of football, quote unquote, analytics. That's always subjective, right? It's, it's not baseball where you have very obvious outcomes at the end of every play. Um, right. So, and, and to add some level of value, you're going to have to add some level of subjectivity to things like pass rush win rate. Right. Um, yeah. Again, I just kind of look at those kind of through the, the margin of error lens and, and then I, it gets me to this point and then I can make my own determination. I think what they're really grading and what they do a bad job of explaining is they're grading consistency. And sometimes a very impactful player is not the most consistent. And that is where I think the flaw is, right? Is, is okay, maybe I, I, I will grant them that maybe Miles Garrett was a more consistent performer on things I didn't see the other night. But mm. the grade doesn't account for that disruptiveness and those plays that changed the game. And, you know, if I were them, that that's something I would want to work on and say, we're not measuring impactfulness here. We're not, you know, putting it on that scale. We're just grading play to play who's the most consistent. Um, and I should point out too, I'm not in the business of defending them writ large, but they do still have TJ Watt graded higher than Miles Garrett for the season. Um, so, you know, is there some anti-Steelers bias? Yeah, is there some anti-Steelers bias? I don't know, but I mean, at least that's showing up in the um, in the grading. And listen, there's there, people different people grade these teams every week. It's not the same person watching the Steelers every week. It's not even the same person watching the Steelers position group. I think, you know, Bruce Gradkowski, the former Steeler, is very involved in their uh, passing evaluation. Um, mm. So, that, But he's not watching the pass rushers like T.J. Watts. So um, you're going to have different people with different grades. It's not going to be a perfect um, science. But like I said, I think it's a good baseline, and then I think you got to trust your own judgment from there and um, especially if I'm talking to someone like you, Chris, who watches film and, and knows what you're talking about. 
Thank, thank you. I appreciate it there, Adam. We got to talk about some coaching stuff with, with, with the Steelers that they have to clean up. Mike Tomlin addressed that on Tuesday. We'll do that on the other side of this break here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Adam Bittner. But first, I want to remind you guys, this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. Go to Mike's Beer Bar in the North Shore. It's on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park, and it's the ultimate experience that you need if you're in the North Shore for either a Pirates, Steelers, or a Pitt game on, uh, at any point during the week. Mike's Beer Bar gives you over 20 televisions where you can catch all your NFL, college football, uh, college basketball. That's coming around. NBA, uh, NHL, Riverhounds, even Premier League action at Mike's. They have all the different sporting experiences. You can even reserve tables with TVs specified to your game, no matter how obscure, obscure your game you think your game is. They've had they've had games that they've had to stream on televisions, but they will make it work for you. So go go to Mike's Beer Bar, reserve a table, get there and watch your favorite sports. And while you're enjoying your favorite sporting event on TV right there, you can check out over 500 different available beers that they have available at all times. 300 of those beers being local beers from Western Pennsylvania and 80 of those local beers being available on tap. So you can keep trying all their different flight options with all the different flavors and, and styles of beers all and you never run out of options when you're trying when you're pulling out their flight they also have amazing food options with their steak on a stone which is an awesome meal you choose your choice cut a steak you get it on a heated stone and as you cut off every piece you press it into the stone you choose how hot you want your steak cooked or how well you want your steak done uh with each bite it's a great experience all around go to mike's beer bar today to get the best bar experience in pittsburgh and when you get there tell them chris sent you Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Adam Bittner. Adam, we got to talk about one thing that everyone's talking about at Pittsburgh right now, and it's the state of the offense. They're, they're still at the bottom of the league. There was hope after the preseason and the training camp that the Steelers' offense would start better. Uh, they have, uh, they are, they're, they're still at the bottom of the league. It's, it's looking rough, and, and a lot of people are pointing fingers. They're saying, is, is it Kenny Pickett? Is it Matt Canada? Is it the offensive line? There's a lot of different fingers going around. And Mike Tomlin kind of addressed this a little bit in his opening statements for his Tuesday press conference, and he kind of went with coaching. And, and he also acknowledged Kenny Pickett and the offensive line have to be better, but he talked about their approach to games. Here was the quote that, that, that he was there uh, for Tuesday. He said, obviously, it starts with coaching, man. We've got to be coach better. We've got to get these guys playing faster with more fluidity and uh, uh, short, we get shorter, start, or fat, start faster. We have to play more coordinated, particularly at the early stages of games. We have to anticipate schematics of those that we want to play, play against a little bit better in displaying anticipation as a component of preparedness. When they, uh, he's like, they, they threw some things that is particularly from a run structure standpoint early in that football game that created challenges. But you see those type of challenges week in and week out when you're playing against good teams and you, and you run it over those things. Like you need to run over those things like speed bumps. So we have to get to that. We realize there's no secret formulas in this regard. It's not a wave of a magic wand. What we have to do is to continue to work. So Mike Tomlin's point here is he's accepting responsibility for the coaching staff not coming, not, not helping the Steelers get to a, a fast start. And we saw some of those fast starts in the preseason. That, and that was, even when last year, at the end of last year, when the offense started to look a little bit better and they started winning games towards the end of the season, they weren't having fast starts. They were finishing strong. But I, I really think that especially with a young offense, Adam, starting fast is so huge because it builds up momentum. It builds up confidence. It puts a defense on notice that you have things that you can do to them that are your strengths. But the Steelers... They've started extremely slow offensively in both their first both their games to start the season. Yeah, Chris. I mean, it's, I don't. It doesn't even have to be a fast start. Just get some first downs. Just be able to change your tempo mm-hmm. a little bit. You can't do that when you're you know running you know two yards ahead on first down, throwing a couple of incompletions on second and third down. 
and putting. I mean, three and outs are, are killers, and, you know, they've got to at least move the ball a little bit. It doesn't have to be a touchdown on every drive. It doesn't even have to be a scoring drive, but you got to be at least able to change the field every once in a while and and move the ball so that you can you can get your tempo because I, I think there's I think that's really important. We've seen it even with Ben Roethlisberger his last you know year when he was under this Matt Canada offense when when they got a first down or two and they were able to start moving at the tempo they wanted to um, things looked a lot more fluid. So I, I think that's a big part of the problem. And um, speaking of PFF grades, I did my PFF grades post that was published on postgazette.com on Wednesday. And the offensive line has, has been graded very poorly. Um, and, and I think they should. That's one thing. I agree with that. They should be graded very poorly with the way they started. Right. And I mean, just and this is where I think PFF is really useful is in quantifying just how bad the offensive line has been as a, as a whole. Um, they have them almost 20 points worse than the next worst team in the league, which is the New York Jets, um, in pass blocking. And that's unforgivable from a coaching perspective. I mean, the, the players can't be that bad. Um, a lot of these guys are, are veterans. They've been around. They have better data. Um, that's, a, that's a matter of not coaching them into a co- cohesive unit, using the offseason um, you know, to make those pieces fit together. Listen, we're not expecting the offensive line to be the most cohesive thing in the world from week one. But you should be you know, a lot closer to the New York Jets, at least, than, than you are to – you know, zero on, on the PFF grading scale. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that that makes everything more difficult too. It's not necessarily play calling. Matt Canada gets crushed for play calling, and I think that there's there's a lot of good reason behind that. But in, in this case, just the basic art of coordinating, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's in the title, coordinating. This is an uncoordinated mess up front, and I think a lot of problems right now are stemming from that. That's not forgiving his, you know, play calling is just recognizing that even the best play caller and the best quarterback w- would have trouble with an offensive line that's pass blocking like this. And, and I think that ultimately still falls on him as a coach, just kind of in a different category than play calling. I, I agree. I, I'm one of the people that, that points out, like, when you when people just get mad and say, oh, Matt Canada doesn't know what to call, call an offense. And Matt, Mike Tom even addressed the fans who uh, who, who, who were chanting for, to fire Matt Canada, Canada towards the end of the Browns game, uh, saying that, hey, you know, we want we want our fans fat, sassy, and spoiled. We want them to bring that passion to, to, to the game. Um, you know, and kind of saying, like, hey, you know, kind of acknowledging it, but also, like, not dismissing it. Like, he's saying, hey, you know, they have gripes. The Steelers' offense has not been good. So I, I think that, that that's something there. For sure. But I've also been on the side that I don't think Matt Canada has been the biggest problem for the Steelers offense right now, at least as far as the play calling aspects. There are open receivers for the Steelers. And if the Steelers could hit open receivers, it would force defenses like the Browns and the Niners to back off the run game. And that's something that the Steelers offense, the Steelers run game hasn't been able to exist yet because the teams are playing and they're saying, hey, Kenny Pickett beat us while we're playing the run. Please, please beat us. And the Steelers haven't been able to do that consistently. They've had uh, what I think they've had what two touchdowns so far this season. They're having a touchdown, a touchdown a game right now. That's not where you want to be if you're if you're the Steelers' offense. Um, you know they got saved by the defense last week last week, but they need to be prepared to be able to fight on their fight on their own in in some instances. And maybe playing a team like the Raiders and a team like the Texans will give them a chance to get on their feet. I will say the Niners defense is pretty good, as is as is the Browns. Both are also aggressive in how they put pressure on you. So maybe that played into it. But Max Crosby's still coming to town next week. So they need to be prepared with the Raiders as well. He's not coming to town. They're actually going to his town. But you get my point. Um, 
uh, I still I'm right with you. A lot of this still comes down to execution, both on Kenny Pickett's part, but also on the offensive line's part. They have to block better. They have to give him more time, like let him feel comfortable in pocket and create space for both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren had that impressive catch and run, uh, two impressive catch and run, catches and run, excuse me, um, in the in the game. But you kind of even saw when you know people have been clamoring for him to get more touches than Najee Harris and to take the starting job over him. But when he had to run into those stacked lines. He did even worse than Najee Harris in the past in both the last two games. So I think that when you look at at, at what the Steelers' biggest problems are, I point to the offensive line. I point to Kenny Pickett. I point to execution of the game plan. And are there calls that Matt Cannon makes that are dumb? I think so. Yeah, like the, the the third down run with Kenny Pickett at the end of the game. That was a bad play call. The Jets week when they had the when they were finally they finally were establishing the run there in, in a like coherent way, uh, and then going to the jet sweep and killing that drive. I, 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 when he, as soon as he caught it, I'm like, here we go. And, and, and you're right. It killed it. Najee Harris busts off a 17 yard run, a 25 yard run. Jalen Warren gets five yards. And then you do that and it's third and 10. And, and your passing offense that hasn't had any fluidity, as Mike Tomlin called it, is, is put behind the sticks. You can't do that kind of stuff. And, and you need to be able to stick to what you're doing well in the moment. Those type of things are, are boneheaded moments. But there are many more of the moments where a play is drawn up well and there is an executable option there that it's just not done than there are moments like that where the, the call, I think, was 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 giving putting the Steelers at a disadvantage. And that's my problem right now is that it's not on one person. It's on a bunch of people. I think the one thing that's on the Steelers' side is, A, this is a very young offense still. Kenny Pickett's in his second year. I know people are going to say, oh, he was in college forever. That's not my point. I'm talking about NFL experience-wise. You have Kenny Pickett in his second year. George Pickens in his second year. Deontay Johnson was the guy that was going to be the veteran wide receiver who was their playmaker. He's on injured reserve until after the bye. You got an offensive line that's, that's trying to gel together again. You got Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth in their third years. Calvin Austin's having to step in as a second-year player, really a first-year player because he missed all of last season. These types of groups do take time to gel. But if they do gel... That stuff ha- happens throughout a season, and it starts with playing teams like the Texans and the Raiders and, find, and finding ways to find your footing in those games so that when you play another team like the Ravens in a, in a few weeks, you look more prepared than you did against the Niners or the, uh, the Browns. Yeah, I think that's the key. And the key, too, is it shouldn't take half the season this season. You know I what agree. I mean? That's what, that's what sunk the Steelers last year, and, and I think a lot of people were upset in the preseason when people like you and me picked Pick them to go ten and sevens, recognizing that it's not going to be a picnic every week, and that you're going to have these games. And but you got to win these these games in these early weeks. And if you if you can't beat the Texans and the Raiders, that puts you behind the eight ball and forces you to beat better teams later in your schedule. So, um, and, and I completely agree with you. I mean, Kenny Pickett's grade is also not good. Um, and it's not just the grade; it's more of those you know uh, objective stats that that you like a little bit better. Um, he has no big time throws. Um, yeah. You know, and that's I think there's only uh, three other guys that have regular reps that are in that category league wide. He's got the second lowest grade among healthy quarterbacks. I think Aaron Rodgers is lower than him, but that doesn't really count. Um, and then he's got four turnover worthy plays. There's only one quarterback in the league that has more through two games. So, um, you know, there's definitely problems with him, too. Um, I just look at the offensive line because it's so aberrant in, in terms of the grade um, and Dan Moore. This is where I, you know you and I might agree on the how do you even arrive at this grade? But he's, his pass blocking against Cleveland was three point five out of a hundred. Um, that's that's pretty terrible. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it's it's not a whole lot better than I could do <laughs> if I was standing out there and <laughs> I couldn't do very much, Chris. So 
Um, I, I agree with you that it is across the board problems right now, and they're all kind of connected to each other. And, and I think that's you got to at least fix one to, to start fixing the others. I, I agree. It's something that they do got to make sure that they, they get a handle on. We'll see if they do in their games moving forward. But there's another guy who needs to get a handle on things, and that's in the secondary, and that's Levi Wallace. But there's also another guy behind him that made some big plays that everyone's been talking about. Will we see more Joey Porter Jr.? We'll talk about that next here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Adam Bittner. But first, I want to remind you guys, this show is also sponsored by Savinas Kane and Gallucci, their mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers. With over 85 years of experience, call them now for a free consultation. That is Savinas Kane and Gallucci. Also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports events, music music concerts, comedy events, and theater events near you. They can give you killer deals, even on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. Download the GameTime app today right to your phone, and you can book tickets even up to the last second and get exclusive flash deals on whether on Steelers games, NBA games, college basketball games, college football games, baseball games, concerts, comedy theater events, anything near you, Game Time can help you get. And the Game Time Best Price Guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find a ticket in the same section, same row at the same event for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's just how confident they are. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms because it's apply, create an account and redeem code PITT Pit for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Adam, if you look at this game and you look at, let's we, t- we take a look at defensive grades from PFF. And again, I feel defensive grades. I actually think that they have reason to be right here. Levi Wallace, you don't even need that grade. You know Levi Wallace struggled in the in that in that Browns game. He was getting cooked uh in the in the coverage game. He gave up. He was the, the person that was responsible for the gap when uh, uh Jerome Ford cut back and had that 60 plus yard run uh that set up the Browns uh second touchdown of, of the game. Uh, in this game, Levi Wallace was targeted eight times, gave up five recessions for 56 yards. Um, didn't look like he was in a, in, a, in a good place throughout it and was an obvious weak spot for the Steelers. Meanwhile, the fifth best graded defender on the Steelers defense was a guy who played 14 snaps, and that's Joey Porter Jr. All of those snaps com- coming in coverage. He was targeted twice, allowed no receptions. One of those was a third down breakup. Another one of those was a fourth down play where, yeah, he did get a little handsy with his guy, but considering how handsy people were all night they kind of, they, they let it slide and it, and he was still in good coverage uh you know in the in that spot and forced a kind of an errant throw from, from Deshaun Watson do have we seen enough to say that Joey Porter Jr needs a chance to start in this defense or do you, are you with maybe the Steelers still giving him time to grow cuz the week before he had seven snaps this week he had 14 snaps does he need 21 snaps before he starts it seems like that's the increment right now yeah, I think that's the, you know, that's the the thing with cornerback is you can play guys, you know, a few more snaps and, and you don't kind of have to choose between one or the other the way you do with Dan Moore and Broderick Jones um, at a tackle spot. You know, it's got to kind of be one of the one or the other um, 95% of the time. So I think you have the flexibility to, to keep testing them. Um, Levi Wallace was inconsistent, especially early last season. Um, his grades ended up evening out. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they're facing some of these teams that are not as good in the coming weeks. If, if his grades start to even out a little bit more, 
I still think he can be a useful player for this this defense. Um, but yeah, I think you want to see Joey Porter Jr. more. That's something I was talking to Joe Starkey about on the postgame show was the patience and, and the, the caution that they're showing with all of these rookies is, um, you know, other than maybe Keanu Benton is, is a little bit puzzling to me um, considering how much buzz there was for this draft class. And for good reason, they got guys at positions of need mm-hmm. at the top of the draft. And, you know, that you, when you draft those guys, theoretically they're coming in to fix problems that you have. And, and so that's why I'd like to see, more of Joey Porter Jr. I think there's going to be some inconsistency. I think there's going to be grades where he's, you know, in a similar league as, as Levi Wallace. It's it's not going to be, um, you know, perfect every week. But I think you do have to give him more of a chance as he shows, you know, that he can make some plays um, because that's ultimately what what the Steelers they need him to make. They need a corner who makes plays like that on a regular basis, um, and that's why they drafted him. So absolutely. I'm right with you. I think I think Levi Wallace. He has been a good veteran. Uh, you know, in the, in last year he had four interceptions. He was reliable, but in that in the last two games, you've seen him kind of be exposed a little bit, and he can certainly bounce back. Like, I'm not dooming Levi Wallace to perpetuity of just playing not well and getting exposed every week. But you drafted Joey Porter Jr. with the first pick of the second round for a reason. You were able to get him into your defense. And I'll say that in his first few tests, he's looked all right. It might be time to put him out there and let him run with the big boys and still rotate him in a little bit. You know, still you know, give him and Levi Wallace time to kind of work together a little bit. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin talked about in the first game, you know, they didn't get the Niners behind the sticks enough to put them in the packages that they've designed for Joey Porter Jr. to get things going. They did that a little bit more against the Browns, which is why he saw twice as many snaps. But I still think Joey Porter Jr. is an option for this defense, and, and maybe it'll come soon, soon around the corner. Maybe it'll be a thing that we see around week four or five, like we saw with Kenny Pickett last year and, and him getting more more exposure. Uh, and I think the same thing can be looked at with Broderick Jones. You know, you talked about Dan Moore Jr.'s grade as back-to-back games that he hasn't looked you know too good, uh, granted going up against Nick Bosa and uh, Miles Garrett. Pretty tough, pretty tough uh, assi- assignments there. But you drafted Broderick Jones for the same reasons, and it makes me wonder, you know, how long will, will it'll be before that? But again, I think these upcoming games are going to be a chance. When you look at the the way the Raiders play, they have Max Crosby, another really good edge rusher in, in the NFL. Um, and you look at the Texas game; these are teams that they don't have the pedigree that I think the last two teams that they faced. The Niners looked like one of the best teams in the NFL. The Browns looked like they, at least defensively, they had one of the better units in the NFL. Uh, We'll see how they do moving forward without Nick Chubb on their offense to kind of make things easier for them. But uh, I think these upcoming two games, these are going to be crucial for guys like, like Wallace, like Moore, to prove that they're veterans that can still be in their spots or if the Steelers need to just throw in the rookies and see how they do. Yeah, and I think the a big thing, especially in the corner uh, conversation, is what, what's the status of Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers this week? If both yeah, of those guys are out, then I think you have the ability to really, um, you know, let Joey Porter Jr. get his feet wet and, and um, you know, put him in there a lot more than, than if those were the two guys that were going to be testing him. So I think that's something worth monitoring throughout the week is um, are those big threats going to be out there and, and possibly going after Joey Porter Jr.? Or can he... Um, you know, kind of find his way against some lesser targets here and, um, you know, really get a, a nice dose of NFL action these next couple of weeks before you start going into these games against Baltimore and others. 
um, you know, where, where you're going to go up against some better guys. I, I think that's that's a really significant thing to, to note for, for our listeners. Absolutely. He's Adam Bittner. I'm Chris Carter of the North of the North Shore Drive podcast. We're both here at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, remember, you can tune into the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every single week, as well as all the daily content that we have here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette all throughout the week, all throughout the week from all of our different reporters here covering all the beats here in the in the Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Uh, check out this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. We're back again Friday with Brian Batko breaking things down and getting you ready for the big weekend. And also, don't forget the Aperture Fan Advantage will be coming up. We'll have Sean Reed, uh, co- who covers the Raiders for the Athletic. This weekend, a lot of stuff coming up. Stay tuned here on the North Shore Drive podcast as the week continues getting me ready for Steelers Raiders this upcoming weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.